You're listening to Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. Okay. Now, the Omotoso trial kind of started today and then uh, is going to be carrying on, apparently, I think, tomorrow. The trial of a rape and human trafficking accused Nigerian pastor Timothy Omotoso and his two accused have been rolled over for a day. Uh, I think they're coming back tomorrow in the Port Elizabeth High Court. A new trial was meant to start today before Judge Irma Skuman. The trial, the initial trial, which began in October 2018, resulted in the original presiding officer Port Elizabeth High Court Judge Mandela Makwala um Makaola refusing himself uh, recusing himself following allegations of Omotoso's defense team and so on. I something bothers me about this case. So I wanted to understand because I'm not a legal professional, right? I, I, I need to understand better and perhaps you could also be interested in this discussion. I wanted to get insights from someone who understands social justice and also understands justice. Because my question is, in light of seeking justice, to what extent do we prejudice human rights? And I'll tell you why I asked the question. So the, the judge that used to preside over this particular case recused himself for various reasons. In fact, the defense at some point asked that he be recused. Uh, that was overruled. And then he himself recused himself for other reasons uh, along the lines of his wife being the owner of a guest house where uh, witnesses were staying and so on. So he's done that. That's okay. But what this means is that witnesses almost have to start from the very beginning. I could be wrong on this one, but I've decided to ask an expert on the subject, Litlokhonolo Mokhairane, who's a lawyer and social justice activist, to unpack it for us. Litlokhonolo, good afternoon, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Pamela. So, Litlokhonolo, help me here. Mm-hmm. Does justice, right, the plight of justice, trump the rights, human rights? I suppose, Pamela, for me, I don't think the two are completely opposite. I think in the quest for justice, we should be cognizant of the human rights. So the way that we understand the South African system, and in particular the South African criminal justice system, is that even the accused have certain human rights. So our constitution and vengeance that we you know, presume everyone innocent until they're proven guilty, but that we also have a fair trial. So when we think about the rights that are enshrined in the Constitution, we think about fairness as something that um, is um, something that is afforded to the accused in this process. So we think about the fact that there was a recusal application, so the deciding officer, before his wife was implicated uh, because the guest house where the state witnesses were staying at. So, you know, there's a little bit of, 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 even if it isn't, unfair there is a presumption of unfairness that happens Mm -hmm. so that's why the judge was recused in this instance because we don't want the process to be tainted by anything we want the quest for justice to be a fair quest and a human rights based quest for justice fair enough and i get that and i understand why it was important for him to recuse himself what i'm struggling with is the process of a retrial almost whether it doesn't infringe of the hum- on the human rights of the victim or let's call them witnesses for, for, for this particular instance. So these witnesses will have to almost be on the stand once more 
almost starting from the beginning as if it had never happened before? Yes. So you have a really interesting question because one of the questions that I've been thinking about a lot is like the criminal justice system does not think about the re-traumatization That's it. of these um, victims, right? Yes. So they have to essentially go back to that place again. Yes. And that is, I think, where your, your, your discomfort is. Is what about the victim? What are we saying about the victim? Now, the broader question is, is the criminal justice system a victim-centered approach? A lot of criminal justice lawyers who are feminists and human rights activists will argue that the system as a whole does not necessarily cater for the victim. So it's not a complainant-centered approach. There is an academic at the University of Cape Town who is working on a a, a process or a a system that could be more complainant-centered. So to answer your question... Right now, as it currently stands, it's not a complainant-centered approach because we are going to re-traumatize and re-victimize the the, the victims because they have to come back onto the stand to start the process all over again. Not only that, my my, my discomfort also extends beyond that. So, yes, they will come back and be re-traumatized, but as well, they could be cross-examined on previous... um, Statements, statements that they made yeah. while they were sitting yeah. there. So in other words, if the victim forgets that she drank water in between whatever conversation she had and stated that, yes, from from that point I was with him and then I drank some water and then went back and forgets that little fact, that in itself discriminates the victim because suddenly there's an important fact that they've forgotten because we're starting over. But we, we are not omitting the fact that they had already said something before. Well, what's interesting about the, because the, what you're speaking about now is how evidence is presented in court and how evidence is given. There are certain rules around evidence. So because this is going to be effectively a new trial in the way that we understand the trial, we would hope that the uh, examination in chief as well as cross-examination will create this opportunity as a new start. So we can't use previous consistent statements to contradict the victim in this instance, because effectively that process is not deemed to have happened in the way that we understand the law. So, the Honor, the, you need, you yes. need to help me out here with that very specific statement in saying, is cool. that a fact that statements that were made on the dock by witnesses uh, will not be brought back into cross-questioning this time around. So, in other words, that person will not be said, will not be asked. But you had said this previously. Um, this was your statement previously in when you were sitting in court. I understand it's a new process, but can that not be added into part of the the the, the cross-examination here? I mean, people will sneakingly try to do that, but the, the purpose of evidence in, in, in a trial or in court cases is relevance, right? Mm. So the whole idea of the, I would want to believe that the deciding officer will be conscious of the fact that this has previously happened, and what they're trying to do is discredit the witness by saying, well, you didn't say this, but you didn't say that. Mm. And the court, the presiding officer in this regard, will be incumbent to be, well, that may not be relevant because what we're trying to find out, we're trying to find out evidence, not necessarily the little things, oh, you said you drank water, but now you think that you drink, you're drinking water. Mm. Because when you think about the criminal justice systems, there are essentially five elements of a crime that is normally presented. So it's just to name three of them, it's conduct, it's causation and unlawfulness. So by this I mean, did the particular act happen? 
was it unlawful in how we understand uh, unlawfulness in the law? So was it a rape? Was it a murder? And what was the cause? Did this cause the ultimate legal, um, you know, crime? Mm-hmm. So effectively what we're trying to do is I would hope that uh, we are not going to see the same type of cross-examination that happened in the first trial because that cross-examination was really like mm. battering. Mm. It wasn't about seeking truth. Mm. It was trying to discredit the witness, right? Mm. And we would hope that that the, those tactics are not going to be used in this trial. But we as social justice and human rights in this world closely look at what this trial brings and ensure that the process is fair for the victim. Because we've seen that the whole system is not created to give effect and power to the victim. So effectively, it's like the victim is on trial yep. and not the perpetrator. I, I'm quite impatient, maybe more than you guys who are activists, because I'm I'm looking at the scenario where we're in a country where rape and this kind of gender violence is prevalent. Mm-hmm. So the the impatience from me stems from, you've just said yourself that it's not a complainant-centered type of justice. When are we yeah. going to get there? It is of a, a matter of urgency that this country allows itself to have a complainant-centered type of justice because the more people will be able to feel safe with their case than their stories. Yeah, I mean, Pamela, to be honest, there has been a slight move, no matter how slow it has been, where we've seen presiding officers, I'm thinking about the Constitutional Court judges, for instance. There was a case that was passed in 2018, which had to deal with uh, prescription in terms of rape. And the court in that case specifically said that the criminal justice system is supposed to be there for the victim. So I think that courts are also recognizing, at least presiding officers are also recognizing, the importance of the criminal justice system being more complainant-centered. So we'd hope that in this case, we're not saying that it's not possible, we'd hope that in this case, the presiding officer is really conscious of the type of crime that has been placed on hold. Because we've had many rape cases where you can see thoroughly the presiding officer did not understand. So we'd hope that we're more conscious. Because the problem is that gender-based violence, and particularly sexual gender-based violence, is a big problem in this country. And because these cases end up happening in court, we should be very particular of how we handle these cases. Because... You know, the Omotoso trial is a public trial. Mm. So there are a lot of people who may have been raped, who want to go further, mm. who want to look at how this plays out, you know. So how this case plays out will determine whether more cases are reported or whether more cases are not reported. Because in truth, victims or complainants in this instance and survivors are more focused on whether they're going to be treated with dignity in the mm. criminal justice system mm. or not. And more often than not, they're not treated with that. You know, we find that police officers sometimes ask them, what were you wearing? And even in court, lawyers ask the witnesses, mm. so what were you wearing? You know, it's just these type of questions. There's a certain way in which we're supposed to treat these types of cases that we haven't yet started doing, but we hope it will be in that way. I, and I and I like the fact that you are optimistic and you are seeing something <laughs> a light at the end of the tunnel. But if we go back to this very case and we mm. look at and you've mentioned this, the word conduct, we look at the, for instance, the conduct of the defense in this trial and the manner in which the defense was cross-examining the witness victim, so to speak. Um, 
it didn't look fair to me. It didn't look like this was somebody who was living in South Africa and very quickly became the victim because he was then alleging that, you know, people are victimizing him. People want to mm. harm him and so on. Mm. But sitting from the outside in, not knowing the, I mean, I have, I have no interest in, in Omotoso or his church and so on. I, I felt that I needed to be on the side, on the side of what felt like right which was yeah. the victim side. I mean, I know that I'm not a judge and I'm not the lawyer here, but something yeah. about how the witness was treated felt unjust. And I didn't get the feeling that justice had room for recourse for how we felt. No, I definitely agree with you. I mean, there is, um, you know, lawyers and scholars, like when I think about, you know, Tembeka Nunga Toby, mm. who had written a piece shortly after that, disastrous cross-examination and he was saying there is a certain way in which you cross-examine. The way that the Omotosis lawyer was cross-examining was completely outside of the way in which you cross-examine. Because cross-examination is not an attacking process. Mm. It's literally an examining of, okay, this is my client's position. Because, you know, the lawyer for Omotoso argued that he was defending his client, but I mean, there's a way in which you are going to defend your client without badgering a particular witness. So, honestly, the way that that cross-examination was handled was not the way in which normal cross-examination is supposed to be handled. There was this, this I, I want to say, push of malice. There was this push of trying to put the victim on trial as opposed to try and examine truth. So, you know, the, the greater question is, like, what is the purpose of cross-examination? And the purpose of cross-examination is that there are, let's call it, two sides to a story. But those two sides of the story should not dehumanize. The, the, the victim and in this case there was a dehumanization of the victim Dr. Honola, I take your cue you're optimistic I look to you uh, we'll watch and see we'll watch and see thank you Pimela thanks very much lawyer and social justice activist and uh, he says uh, let's not be hasty they are trying as the justice system in this country to be more compl- complainant centric and I don't get that feeling at all but he says you know we're getting there slowly but surely so i suppose we're going to take our cue from what happens from tomorrow when they get back to the port elizabeth high court